The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out of this. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. Put it in the box. In the history box. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the very first episode of the Mets Baseball Carnival podcast. We are a brand new podcast focusing strictly on our favorite team, the New York Mets. And um, I'm your host, Zach Braff. You can find me on Twitter at BraffZ. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at MetsBBCarnival. Uh, we're trying to be pretty active on Twitter, and we'll probably start getting some Instagram posts up there as well. Uh, but you can also follow our co-host, um, my longtime high school buddy, Joe Fesco. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Joe Joseph Fesco. That's Joseph Fesco. Yep. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. This is your uh, your first taste of podcast life. Uh, yes, it is. We've been we've been talking about doing this for for a little while here. We are longtime Mets fans, and we always have texts going back and forth about the Mets. So we figured, why not bring this to a uh, a podcast platform? Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm excited for this. As you said, we've been talking about this for some time, and it, it only made sense um, taking our, our text conversations, our in person conversations, and and bringing them to the the podcast realm. So, yeah, and it's been weird because uh, we both we grew up together over in New Jersey. We went to high school together, and we both kind of uh, went our separate ways a little bit in recent years. I moved to Miami, had a kid. Joe has since moved to Boston, so we haven't really had a chance to. Uh, talk baseball in person as much so this podcast is a great opportunity for us to just talk about the team that we love and hate so much uh, once <laughs> yeah. again <laughs> yeah no we will always have our road trip up from uh from miami yeah. a couple of days spent together we're we're pretty cool so good times talking baseball yeah, and listening to some tunes but we just wanted to uh bring some baseball talk to you guys obviously this is a, a very weird season that we have upcoming here but we're we're eagerly anticipating a 60 game baseball season starting this week. Very excited for that. And before we dive into that, I think we just need to address the elephant in the room, which is our name, the uh, the Mets Baseball Carnival. Uh, just to give you a little background story here, I mean we're not we're not bashing this team at all. We were diehard, longtime diehard Mets fans here. Uh, it kind of goes back to our our days playing freshman baseball together. Uh, let's just say it, it wasn't the prettiest baseball uh, back uh, many, many years ago. And we kind of referred to our, our team as the baseball carnival, whether it be miscues in the field. And uh, just it really just kind of felt like a circus at times. And we kind of translate that to the Mets because we know how this team operates. Even non-Met fans know how this team Operates. They have many carnival and, and circus-like tendencies, whether it be their play on the field, whether it be the front office, whether it be the media handling of the team, whether it be ownership or our manager getting canned before he even manages a game. It really has a lot of circuit. It has a circus-like feel. Would you say that's right? <laughs> I'd agree with that. And as you touched upon, uh, spring of 20, uh, 2008, uh, freshman year baseball was uh, actually no that was that's incorrect it was uh, we graduated in 07 so then it was spring of 2004 no 2004 oh my god yeah 
So, um, geez, long time that, ago, that dates us a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean the the, the tendencies of that team and and the, the carnival aspects of uh, our play in the field and um, some of the, the antics on the bus. Those bus trips were were pretty uh, pretty interesting. Um, and I think it parlays well, as you said, with this with this franchise um, and the, the laughable nature at times of of the front office and the play on the field. But, uh, I mean, th- but this is a team that we love. Um, we've loved for a very long time and, and, uh, we just want to, we, we want to blend the two. So, yeah. And it's like I said before, it's really, it, it, it's not even just Met fans kind of saying that, like there's so many other baseball fans out there that just recognize the, uh, the circus like atmosphere of this team at times. So, like I said, we're not trying to bash this team by any means. We're just trying to have some fun with it. We thought the carnival theme was a, uh, a clever idea. The intro music. Um, shout out, by the way, shout out to uh, my buddy Arno Miller for creating the, the intro music to the podcast. He did a phenomenal job. Uh, kind of just took my, uh, took my ideas and ran with it. So, thank you to Arno Miller for doing that. And thanks to my guy, Jory, for uh, hooking us up with some some awesome logos. Uh, so just get that out of the way. Plug those two guys. Uh, they did a great job for us. So we appreciate that. But uh, so, yeah. So welcome on into the Mets Baseball Carnival. Feel free to grab some popcorn, grab some cotton candy, do whatever, do whatever you need to do. Uh, we're going to try and keep this first episode pretty, pretty short and sweet. And um, just some plans for the show moving forward. I mean, we're going to try and, and hop on, whether it be bi-weekly or monthly. We haven't really decided yet. But uh, we definitely want to put out some content, like once or twice a month at least. So keep an eye out for the episodes. We'll be posting everything on Twitter. Um, the possibility possibility of having some guests on, whether it be former players, maybe some people from the fantasy baseball world we already have. Uh, somebody lined up. I'm not going to drop any names yet, but he's a uh, a big name in the prospect industry. So we'll do a uh, a recap of the Mets draft. So that'll be exciting. And uh, just to plug plug my other work a little bit here. So I'm also a, a co-host on two other baseball podcasts: the Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast and the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So we're talking a bunch of different things here, whether it be fantasy baseball, real life baseball. Now we're talking Mets, but on the Exit Velocity Podcast, we've talked. Uh, we've had a bunch of players on in recent uh, this off season, and one of the guys was Jerry Blevins, who was a great, great interview. Former Met, so if we can have some former Mets on the show, uh, I think we would look forward to that. Hopefully, our listeners would enjoy that as well. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely do some episodes devoted to talking prospects. Uh, Mets really had a. A great draft from what some of the experts are saying. So I think that'll be a lot of fun to talk and dive into uh, the minor league system here, even though there is no minor league baseball this year. But these guys are still going to be developing, whether it be in the taxi squad or um, just kind of being in the player pool. And we'll just recap the team's performance as well, Uh, whether it be once or twice a month. We'll kind of just go through how the team's been playing uh, recently and yeah, I mean, I just think there's going to be a lot of great content to talk about. Um, anything else that I kind of forgotten there that you want to touch upon, Joe? No, I think you covered it all. Um, I'm excited for this. Uh, I'm I'm really happy to have baseball back, and I'm sure a lot of people are as well. Um, and we should we should have some really good content coming up. Um, I mean, in between episodes, there there should be plenty to talk about on the field, off the field. So I'm really excited for this. 
Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, obviously this is a weird time right now with, with the whole pandemic going on right now, but hopefully baseball starts up as scheduled on Thursday and Friday. And hopefully, I mean, the plan is with to be start up and make it through the whole season here. I mean, a lot of people, especially in the baseball industry, they've been saying that they, they're not confident that we get through a season. Uh, I've talked about it on some of the other shows. I mean, do you think that we'll be able to get through this season without any stoppage? I don't know. I mean, if, if I were a betting man, I would say that we won't be able to get through it without a stoppage, um, given the unpredictability of um the virus and uh, i really it doesn't it won't take too many positive tests to really make mlb think about how they want to proceed um 60 games it's it's a lot under these current conditions so um i mean i i'm I'm hopeful that we get to 60 and then beyond into the postseason but um like i said if i was a betting man i i'm not too confident that we're going to get through 60. I mean, we've seen some pretty big names, uh, names like Freddie Freeman, uh, who's tested positive. We've seen some pretty big names that have decided to opt out, whether it be David Price or Nick Markakis. So, I mean, you can't fault anybody for, for opting out. Um, but it's actually, it's really a small percentage of players that are testing positive right now. I think it was less than 2% at this point. And a lot of the players that are testing positive really aren't showing any symptoms. So I initially was... Uh, not very optimistic that we were going to make it through this season, but uh, as of lately, seeing some of the numbers that have come out, I'm I'm hopeful that we can can make it through the season without any type of stoppage. So we'll see. But moving on, uh, we'll get to some more exciting things here. Before we dive into the team, obviously there's um, a big cloud over this team right now with their ownership group. I know Joe, you've been kind of staying on top of it um, on Twitter, following a few different people that have been just uh, really providing good content with this ownership group. Obviously, this team with the Wilpons, it's really just been quite the mess for years. And I think as Mets fans, we're all very excited that this team is hopefully going to be moving on to another ownership group. Obviously, the big guy, Steve Cohen, um, that deal kind of fell through uh, a while back here. He seems to be in the mix. Obviously, <laughs> A-Rod and J-Lo have a group as well. I mean, what's the latest that you're hearing, and where do you see this kind of going? Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there have been a couple of reports today, um, mainly off of the report from Charles Gasparino from Fox Business. Um, he's saying that it's down to a two-man race at the moment between uh, Steve Cohen, um, our favorite hedge fund uh manager and the Harris Blitzer group, the owners of the 76ers and the Devils, among other entities. Um, I mean, as you alluded to before, A-Rod and, and J-Lo and company um, with their multitude of millionaires behind them. Um, I think they also retain JP Morgan, their wealth management arm um, to raise funds for this, for their potential bid. Or, I mean, they, they did place a bid, but at the moment, based on uh, this report from Gasparino, it doesn't look like the A-Rod group is going to progress um, to a potential third round. Um, but uh, we'll see how the Wilpons and Allen and Co. want to move forward. So That group seemed like the ultimate circus act, uh, just bringing in like professional basketball players, professional football players. Like, just uh, I, I don't know what they were thinking with that, just trying to get all these different groups of people in to maybe appeal to the Wilpons a little bit more. Is that right? 
Uh, potentially. Um, I think they, they're looking to really replicate what Guggenheim did when they bought the Dodgers. Um, uh, some more flashy names, um, some more guys who are uh, uh, some NFL stars, some NBA stars. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, a, a little a little carnival-like. Um, yeah. Seems like almost uh, the perfect fit. <laughs> yeah, it, it would it would make a lot of sense for us. Uh, it would give us a lot of, of uh, content to kind of speak to, but um, I mean, I'm I'm holding out hope for Cohen. I, I think he is the clear favorite, um, certainly amongst Met fans. Uh, he, he's a deep pocket guy. I think his net worth is somewhere north of 13 billion, approaching 14 billion with a B. Um, it's a lot of zeros, and uh, you'd have to imagine he's a guy who will want to spend, invest in this team. He himself is a Met fan as well which, uh, I mean, is all you can hope for as a Met fan. A deep-pocket Met fan would be the ultimate for us right now. Yeah, I think this is every Met fan's dream right here, is to have this scenario where Cohen becomes uh, the main piece of this ownership group. Uh, yeah, there, there was a meme circulating last week. Uh, just once Cohen, um, if he gets ownership of the group, just I think it was like pictures of four different players. Like one was Lindor, one was Arenado, one was LeBron James. Like just all the guys that he's going to go out and sign because he's so deep pocketed. <laughs> yeah, I saw that meme too. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember who the fourth was, but uh, but yeah, Steve Cohen. I I really think that's that's the long term goal here for us Met fans. We would love to have him behind us and uh, just throwing money at free agents. Uh, I just think that's the perfect situation for us Mets fans. So we'll see how that plays out. Is there any ETA as to when they might make a decision on this? Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, they're talking uh, at the back end of the season sometime in October. Um, this might come to a culmination, but um, okay. a, a, lot can, a lot can happen between now and then. So yeah. We'll see. All right. Where to come on to some more um, fun things to talk about here. Uh, obviously summer camp 2.0, is back in action here, spring training 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but let's just dive into some of the, the news and notes here about this team. Obviously, the biggest um, the biggest noteworthy piece of information here is is Jacob deGrom, our ace. He, uh, his back flared up in his start the other day. Uh, had some back spasms. He claims it might be related to uh, some sleep issues that he had, but... On Sunday, he did throw a bullpen. I think it was around like 60, 65 pitches. And they're saying that DeGrom should be ready for opening day. Is there any concerns on your end, Joe, for DeGrom uh, about the start of the season? And do you think they're going to maybe limit him at all? Or do you think he should be ready to go for opening day? I think he'll be ready to go. Um, if I had to guess, there, there's probably going to be a pitch count limit. Um, his inner squad start on Thursday. Um, I'm sorry. Maybe, I think it was Tuesday night. Um, uh, you, I think the goal was to have him stretched out, um, heading into his next start. Um, but he only managed one inning. So uh, that kind of sets his timetable back a little bit, but, um, with his bullpen on Sunday, uh, I think he threw about 60 pitches, um, nine strikeouts. I think he faced 14 batters, no hits. So, uh, everything outside of or, or post the uh, the back tightness um, has been positive. So um, I think he's on pace for opening day, but I don't think we'll see him throw 100 pitches. Yeah, and they did they did an MRI. Everything came back pretty clean. Hopefully it's just uh, 
he slept awkwardly, which it, it does happen as we as we get older. I, I can vouch for that. That does happen. Same, same here. <laughs> I've slept poorly and my back, well, my back pretty much hurts all the time with my son now. But uh, sometimes you sleep awkwardly and your neck hurts and then you have a round of golf the next day. So I can relate to DeGrom here. Uh, but hopefully it's nothing serious. Uh, but if something were to happen to DeGrom, I mean, I think one of the weaker spots of this team is our starting pitching depth. And in terms of the next next man up, I mean, on Sunday they threw out Corey, Corey Oswalt, who I'm just personally not a huge fan of. Uh, I think he's just kind of like a like a quad A type player. Not really sure he belongs in a, a big league starting rotation. But there's some other guys here. Stephen Gonsalves, who's 26 years old. He was drafted by the Twins. He was a top prospect in that organization. He's got good stuff. He just never really panned out. And I think he was out of options. So the Mets picked him up on waivers. I think he might be one of the first guys to get an opportunity if there was a need for it. Uh, another guy is is the youngster David Peterson, who they drafted in 2015 out of Oregon in the first round. Um, excuse me, 2017 um, in the first round. And Peterson's looked pretty good. He's had an uptick in velocity uh, in summer camp here. Uh, I think he could be a name to watch. He's still only 25. But then after that, there's really just not a ton of depth. Is there somebody that stands out to you, Joe, as the next man up if DeGrom or somebody else were to go down? Yeah, I think he touched on the three options. Uh, we have to say, I mean, I have to say, uh, when we were, were breaking for camp back in February, um, I think we, I, I felt we were confident um, that we had the depth, especially with the signing of Waka. Um, and also, and that was before Syndergaard got hurt. Correct. Yeah. So this is, this is all pre Syndergaard going down. Um, but going out, signing Waka, um, signing, uh, Porcello, Porcello. Um, I, we looked like we had some pretty decent depth. Um, not to mention the guys kind of waiting in the wings, specifically with Peterson and Oswald. Um, but with Noah now missing 2020 due to Tommy John surgery, um, the uh, Peterson, Oswald, and Gonzalez seem to be legitimate options for the Mets. Um, or for if, if anyone were to happen to go down, um, or if we need a spot start here or there, um, I think Oswald makes the most sense because of his exposure already at the big league level. Um, he made 12 starts in 2018, uh, he made two appearances last year. Uh, so I think he's like the lowest hanging fruit if it were to be for a start or two um, during this shortened season. Um, but I do like Peterson. Um, the guy's got good composure on the mound. He's got some really good stuff. Uh, last year in double A, his ERA was over four. Um, but that didn't, do, that didn't do him justice. If you look at his, uh, his FIP, um, fielding independent pitching, um, it was a, a full run lower. So he was he pitched better. Um, based on those figures than what his defense allowed for. So, um, and then Gonsalves, uh, I mean, last year he, he pitched in 24 innings with the, with the twins had a six and a half ERA. Um, he might be a quad player as well. Uh, that season he, he pitched between double A AA and triple A and, and pitched to a, a two, seven, six ERA. So, um, I mean, I, I think all three are options. It just depends on where these guys are in terms of their spot, um, and their progression. So. Yeah. And Gonzalez is a different type of pitcher. I mean, he just kind of, he's a ground ball pitcher, pitches to contact. He's not really a strikeout guy, never has been, doesn't really throw all that hard. 
but um, I don't know. We've we've seen pitchers come up with the Mets, and they just kind of figure things out, whether it be learning learning the the Dan Worth and slider, or uh, just some other pitches, and really they're they're able to succeed at the big league level with the Mets. So maybe the change of scenery will do Consalve as well. But yeah, that the signings of Por- Porcello and Michael Walker really look great now. Um, obviously, with Syndergaard going down, we thought we were going to have that extra piece. It was like maybe they'll trade a piece. Thank God they didn't trade a piece, uh, whether it be uh, be Mats or Syndergaard. But Syndergaard, honestly, I mean, it, it's it sucks that he he's out for the season, but. I don't know. I think as Mets fans, we all kind of knew this was inevitable here. Obviously, a guy throwing consistently uh, high 90s, triple digits, you know something's going to happen with that elbow. So hopefully he gets that taken care of. Hopefully he'll be back pretty early for next year. But yeah, definitely kind of puts us in a, a little bit of a hole here in terms of starting pitching depth. So hopefully one of those guys can step in. I like the idea of maybe adding another lefty to the staff, whether it be Gonsalves or Peterson. I think Peterson deserves a shot this year if it comes to it. So we'll see how the Mets handle that. Hopefully it's really not even a question. Hopefully everybody stays healthy, but we know this team can be a circus and a carnival and it's probably bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's dive into <laughs> Mr. Robinson Cano. I uh, just, uh, this is just such a sore subject for Mets fans to talk about here. We're not even going to bring up the trade of last year and who we lost, but everybody, everybody knows. But um, Cano has been out for a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if it was COVID-related, but he returned a couple days ago. He's been batting third in the lineup. Joe, why the heck is he batting third in this lineup right now? That's <laughs> that's a fantastic question. Um, I mean, I think at, at this point, it, it I would like to think it's only because they want to get him an extra at-bat or two um, during it's summer good, camp. That's a good point. Um but uh, who knows? I mean, I can definitely see him in, in Mets fashion having him opening day, batting third, and batting third throughout the rest of the season. So, yeah. And while we're talking about lineup here, I mean, let's just let's just discuss what the optimal lineup for this team looks like this year. Um, so right now, we're I'm referring to uh, on Fangraphs roster resource here. Right now, I don't necessarily agree with this lineup at all. They have. McNeil, Alonzo, Cano is the top three. Then Cespedes, Conforto, J.D. Davis batting sixth. Wilson Ramos, seventh. Nimmo, eighth. Rosario, ninth. Ideally, what I would love to see from this lineup, I would love to see Nimmo at the top of the order on base machine. I would love to see Jeff McNeil in the two-hole and Pete Alonzo batting third. With Cespedes batting fourth. And Conforto behind him. And then probably a combination of J.D. Davis, Cano, Wilson Ramos, and then Rosario to round out the order. Is there any is there any scenario that you could see happening with this lineup? I mean, what's your what's your optimal look for this lineup uh, for this season with some of these big name guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I have Nimmo at the top of my lineup. Um, I, I like him up there. He's a guy that gets on base, um, and he's got a lot of energy. Uh, I definitely have McNeil slot in number two. Uh, Alonzo in that three-hole. I have Conforto batting cleanup. Uh, I like to see him there. Um, I think he offers Alonzo a lot of protection, and I think he's going to need it this year, to be honest. Um, I have Cespedes, uh, DH, and behind Conforto. And then we get into Cano. 
Wilson Ramos, J.D. Davis, and Ahmed Rosario rounding it out. Um, I think that's it's a really long lineup. Um, anyway, you really cut it. Uh, again, we can't have Cano bat in third. Um, I think that severely weakens the top half of the lineup. But um, I think Cano batting third, I really think that is coming from the top. I think whether it be Brody or the Wilpons, I feel like somebody is saying, hey, you could be very right about Cano just batting towards the top just to get him some more at-bats. That could very well be the case. I really hope that's the case. But I could also see this coming from the, the top, whether it be Brody or ownership, saying Cano, they made the big deal for him last year. They're paying him a ton of money. They want him batting at the top of the order rather than guys that have proven capable of batting at the top of that order, and that should be there. Um, I could definitely see that being the case with this team. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, we've seen it before with this with this franchise, um, especially with Brody in the front office wanting and needing to save face um, with the with bringing in Cano and Diaz, especially the seasons in which they had last year. Um, when you sit that side by side with what our favorite prospect is doing, uh, favorite non Met prospect, uh, Jared Kelenic. Oh, uh, that, that, that kid is. <laughs> That kid is. I, kid I really been, think he's gonna be the real deal. The kid really who's been do. dropping bombs in in summer camp here. It's just ridiculous. Every day there's a new video of Kalenic going yard. <laughs> yeah, it's not just his play on the field. I mean, uh, he, some of the 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 stuff outside the game, um, the way he speaks is uh, it's very polished. Um, he's got a great attitude. He's confident. He's confident as hell. Um, and I think he, he brings that into the batter's box. He brings that into the outfield. Um, and he, I mean, he's, this is going to be one that we are going to, I think, really uh, pain over for a, a long time. Right. So it's, it's still painful to talk about. Yeah. Uh, one other person at the bottom of the lineup I want to talk about briefly here is Ahmed Rosario. I really love what we saw out of Rosario at the end of last season. Um, after the All-Star break, he put up some some amazing numbers. He had over 319. He got on base over 35% of the time. Uh, he was stealing a ton of bases. He did get caught stealing a little bit, so he needs to work on being more efficient on the base pass. But I, I would really love to see. I mean, if we can see some progression from Rosario, some more progression this year, I think that would be phenomenal. I think we're in store for another breakout campaign, but I would love to see Rosario more at the top of this lineup. Uh, we have not had a, a threat on the base pass uh, since Jose Reyes at the top of this order, and I think Rosario would be the perfect fit there if he can prove to get on base. Uh, do you think there's any chance that Rosario moves up in this order uh, throughout the season here? I would say so. I mean, as you alluded to with his second half, um, it, he was fantastic. The only negative, as you, as you also mentioned, was his um, inability to steal bags. Um, if you can put that together with his ability to get on base, um, I could definitely see him at the top of the lineup this season. Yeah. I really think that would be the ideal uh, person to be at the top there. I mean, Nimmo does get on base quite a bit, but there's there's still some injury concerns with him, whether it be the the neck issues. And Brandon Nimmo, he's he's more suited for a, a corner outfield role. He's really not the best defensive center fielder out there. Um, 
We have other options. I mean, there's going to be days where Nimmo's not in there. They're going to choose to go the defensive round. They're probably going to have a guy like Marusnik in there. And if that's the case, then I could see Rosario batting towards the top of that lineup. And I would still, I, I think Jeff McNeil should be slotted in that two hole regardless and Alonzo three. But um, Nimmo, the, there's still questions. I mean, ideally, he would be a great candidate, but I, I think we would love to see the stolen bases at the top of this order. Even if Rosario, though, is at nine, I mean, it's kind of like another leadoff hitter down at the bottom of the order, so I'm okay with it. But I think long-term, I would love to see Rosario continue to break out and make his way up to the top of the order. So we'll see how that plays out with Rosario, but definitely an interesting name to watch this year. Um, we were talking about Cano before. Let's let's get into the other person that was included in the trade with him, and that's, that's Edwin Diaz. Um... Do we think we can have a bounce back year from Diaz? I think it's possible. I'm just not sure. You you put out a tweet the other day, Joe, and I agree with you. I just, I just don't know if Edwin Diaz is cut out for New York. It looked like the pressure really got to him last year. He still had great stuff last year. He had a few blow-up outings that really hurt his numbers overall. But, I mean, he still has electric stuff, but I just really don't know. We've seen so many guys come to New York, and they just can't handle the spotlight, and they just can't handle New York at all. And I think this might be a case of Edwin Diaz kind of fitting into that mold. Do you think we can see an elite Edwin Diaz this year, or are we going to see some more of the 2019 Edwin Diaz? I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible over the course of a 60-game season. Um, I think it's highly unlikely that he returns to form, um, which he showcased in Seattle. Um, Yeah, I I think New York has chewed him up and spit him out. Um, And I, I, I... you can you can tell by his demeanor on the mound. We can't we his stuff is electric. I mean, I, I don't think there's any debate in that. Um, and uh, from the reports I've read and the things I, I've seen, his his stuff is is good. Uh, it's electric. It's tight. Um, going into uh, summer camp and into into 2020, but I, I think that the mental part of the game is is so huge. Um, and I think. He, for him, it, it was going to be hard, I think, to be, to to try to succeed in New York, um, being really the, the centerpiece of that deal. Um, with uh, I think how much Met fans did not want to see those prospects go, um, with Kellenek and um, Justin Dunn. Uh, so I I don't think he was put in a position to succeed, no matter how well he pitched before coming to New York. Um, and just some of those outings last year is just, I just think he's mentally, he's, he's not where he needs to be to really, really blossom in New York. Can you imagine if, uh, if one of the other guys that was mentioned, Jeff McNeil was included in that deal, New York fans would have rioted. <laughs> <laughs> we would, we would have burned city field down. Oh my God. I, I absolutely love Jeff McNeil. He's one of my favorite players. He really reminds me of a more polished Daniel Murphy. Um, Daniel Murphy, there were so many years. We Before 2015, we were just, I think as Mets fans, we were very frustrated with Daniel Murphy. The amount of times we would see him try to just pull a home run to right field, just try and elevate the ball with an uppercut swing and just be a routine fly out to right field. Like, it was just so frustrating to see. And then, obviously, in 2015, when he broke out and just led us to the World Series, oh, God, uh, that's the Daniel Murphy I love. But that 
2015 Daniel Murphy really reminds me of Jeff McNeil. I think we're going to see some more power from McNeil this year. And uh, I really wouldn't, I would not be shocked at all if he hit close to 460 games. I think it's completely doable. Uh, what, what are your expectations for, for Jeff McNeil in 60 games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could either have the uh, close to 400 Jeff McNeil or the power bat McNeil, um, but batting closer to 300. I, I don't think we can have both. Um, I think his, his stats last year indicate that he had a really strong first half um, in terms of batting average, and it wasn't until the second half when he really started to put the ball over the fence. Um, but his batting average took a hit because of that. Um, so I, I think you can either have one or the other. I don't think you can have both. Um, I think a 60-game season it, season is appealing from the perspective of potentially going for 400. Um, it's not as uh, it's not as attractive as doing it in a 162-game season. But I, I think in a 60-game sprint, he definitely has the tools to hit 400. Yeah, I would love to see it happen. Like we said, it's just going to be such a weird year. I think anything's possible. But back to the bullpen for a second here. We were talking Edwin Diaz. Um, there, If Edwin Diaz cannot get the job done, this is a 60-game season. You cannot be afraid to pull the trigger and make a move and switch him out of the closer role. We have, we have a ton of options with closing experience between Seth Lugo, who's unfortunately still p- pitching with a partially torn UCL. I think that's why he's not really starting right now, but Lugo probably can't go back to back days, but he still could go multi innings. So Lugo would be a great option. Um, a couple of times a week. I think we've seen Justin Wilson close in Detroit before, uh, and, and Chicago, I think, uh, we've seen Familia close for the Mets before, and he actually is looking very good, um, from his appearances in the, uh, the intra squad games here. Uh, Hunter Strickland has seen some seen some closing action before, and we also have Dylan Batances, who really hasn't closed a ton, but he's got the pure stuff to do it. Is there anybody that kind of stands out to you? Oh, and before we do that, I want to touch upon another person, Drew Smith right now. Um, me and Joe, we're big fans here of Drew Smith. Drew Smith obviously came over uh, from the Rays in the Lucas Duda trade a couple years ago, and Drew Smith, Drew Smith just looks fantastic right now. He's got great stuff. And um, he's on he's on the bubble of making this roster, but I think we're probably going to see, especially with with guys like Brad Brock and Jared Hughes, who still have not reported yet, and I think they're already placed on the injured list. I think Drew Smith has a really good chance to make this make this roster. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, so he's kind of been forgotten about. But what do you what do you like out of Drew Smith, and do you think we could see a potential uh, impact reliever at the back end here? And is this could this maybe be like a, a high leverage guy moving forward? Yeah, I think he could definitely be a high leverage guy. Um, his fastball is electric. His secondary stuff is also electric. Um, in his appearance the other night, he he was locating really well. Um, he made some of those batters look pretty foolish. So he's got stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that are already in this bullpen um, that you mentioned. Batantis, Lugo, Wilson, Familia. Um, Diaz, Gazelman. Th- there's a lot of options there. Um, which I, I do think that Smith kind of, uh, sits behind at the moment, but he's pitching himself into the conversation. Um, and I, I would love to see him break camp and be on this opening day roster, um, with the stuff that he showcased as of late. Yeah. I think he definitely belongs with this, uh, core group of relievers here. 
there's some other guys uh, just really who haven't pitched great, whether it be Daniel Zamora, Tyler Bashler, Paul Seawald, who I just I just cannot get behind. It's been a few years now, just consistently giving up the long ball. Uh, Walter Lockett. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are right now scheduled to make this bullpen here, and I'm just ugh. Thank God we have some good upper tier relievers here because this back end is just uh, these lower tier guys are just not it's not pretty. Uh, but I think Drew Smith is kind of in that group, like you said, right now. But I think he can elevate his game and become one of the more reliable guys in the bullpen. So we shall see what we can get out of Drew Smith. But overall, I think this bullpen, they do have a, a lot of good pieces, a lot of closing experience. So if Diaz struggles, hopefully one of these other guys can pick up the pieces. Um, but let's just talk about two more names here, two of the big names. Um, we're going to start off here with with Mr. Cespedes. Obviously, just been quite the whirlwind the past year or two with Cespedes, and he apparently is healthy. He looks really good. He's moving well, although he's not moving at 100%. <laughs> he's uh, he's grounding out, and he's running, what, maybe like 40% down the line. He was in left field on Sunday night, and he, uh, I mean, he didn't get any action out there in left field, but I guess it's good that he played for, for like three or four innings. Um I think the long-term plan for the season here is to have uh, Cespedes as the DH. I think if there's any player in the league that benefits from the DH rule being implemented for the National League, I think it's Cespedes. And if Cespedes is healthy, I mean, this is this is a force in the middle of the lineup. Uh, we saw what he did for this team in 2015 and 2016. The guy just needs to stay healthy. Do you think that we can see a fully healthy Cespedes this year, Joe? And what can we expect from La Potencia. Yeah, I mean, talk about a carnival act. Um, <laughs> this guy hit his run-ins with wild boars, um, riding horses to spring training. His cars. Uh, I mean, he really is the ultimate circus act. I, I mean, he's 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 I, the he's, ringleader. He's the ringleader, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I think as you said, no one benefits more from the DH in, in the National League than Sess. Um, Sunday night. Played left field, I think, for the first time um, in, in quite some time. Uh, didn't have too many chances. I think uh, I think he watched a home run fly over his head. Um, I think he also went hitless as well. So um, not moving well, which you, I, you can't expect him, I think, at this stage, um, coming off double heel surgery. Um but uh, again, if we can uh, if we can keep him healthy, batting, every day um I, I don't know if that's achievable but uh I, I think he stands to have a really a really good season if he can stay healthy uh his bat is lethal uh, i mean we saw what it did for us in 2015 um uh, I mean, he, he really carried us to the postseason it was it was a really magical run so i have to ask as a mets fan are you okay with with Cespedes, and this this applies to Cano as well. These older aging vets who have the proven track record. If they're healthy, we know they can contribute. Are you okay with these two guys kind of half-assing uh, their game right now? Are you okay with them just like jogging down the first baseline, just not overly exerting themselves trying to beat out a ball? Like, are you okay with that, or does that just not look good to the rest of the team and the it's fans? Tough. It's tough. I mean, it doesn't look good. Um, I prefer every guy to break it out of the box. I mean, look, look at him. The guy takes the ball for and he's sprinting down the first baseline. Yeah, you love to see it. 
Um, is it sustainable uh, over the course of uh, 162 games? Uh, for Nimmo, yes. For other guys, no. Um, I, I would love for these guys to bust it every single day, every single play. But uh, two aging players um, with history of injury, it, it's tough to expect that from them. Um, all we need is for, for Met fans to to want them to do uh, and, and bust every single time, and then one of these guys pulls a hammy. I know. Um, I'm guilty we, of, we, like... We don't want that. I'm guilty of yelling <laughs> through my TV screen or at my phone, just being like, like, why are you not running to first? But then the next at bat, they sprint to first base, and then they, they come up limping. So, I don't know. It's 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 tough for me to kind of decide what I would like to see. I would love to see a fully healthy Cespedes and Cano for a full season, but I really just I don't want them hurting themselves. These these soft tissue injuries are catching up to them. These freak injuries, and we just we need them on the field. So hopefully we're hopeful that they can stay healthy. But oh my God, I just I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation. If these guys can stay healthy, then if they want a hot dog get down the first base um, and not bust out a ground ball, uh, I think I could be okay with it. Um, but I, I say that with an asterisk a, l- a little bit. I mean, I, I want these guys to play the game right. Um, yeah, and right. There's going to be a lot of asterisks this season. That's for sure. Yeah. 100%. But one other guy we're going to touch upon before we call it a night here. Um, and that's our reigning rookie of the year, reigning home run derby champ, future gold glove winner. In my opinion, Pete Alonzo. Uh, Pete Alonzo obviously just took the league by storm last year. Uh, he just came on the scene, and he's he's just become one of the elite players. I'm hopeful that he can continue that progression, but it, it's going to be hard uh, for him not to regress from last season. Um, I think it's completely possible for Alonzo to lead the league again in home runs in 60 games. I think it's completely doable. He hasn't looked great so far in summer camp. I think a lot. I'm really curious to see if we're going to see a sophomore slump from him, though. I think pitchers may give him a lot more breaking balls, and he just he really looks to be having a tough time with them. Granted, his timing is all off. Everything has just been out of whack. But I mean, Pete Alonso is very capable of going on a run and just being a very streaky player in 60 games here and putting up some some monster numbers. What do you think we can expect from from Alonso this year, Joe? Yeah, I mean, if if he can lead the league in 162, there's no reason why he can't lead the league in 60 games. Um, I, I do think there is going to be uh, a sophomore slump. Um, to what degree that's going to be, it, I think it's to be determined. But I think you can expect him to regress a touch. Uh, I think, as we're seeing right now with the breaking pitch, he's he's struggling with that. Um, and it could be the, the timing piece, as you alluded to, but um, I think he's going to see a lot more breaking pitches. And I think it's important to have a guy behind him who's going to really force these pitchers to attack the zone. Um, and whether that is with Conforto or Cess, um, I think we have the bats to be able to do that. But there, there will be some slight regression. But I, I think this is a guy who is going to fight that as much as possible, um, just as, as he's working extremely hard to win himself a gold glove. Um, uh, the, the talk before he, he broke camp with the Mets last year was about his defense um, and how it's going to be a liability. But 
I think he showed over 162 games last year that his defense is not a liability. It's something that he's working hard on. Um, so I, I, this guy is going to fight the sophomore slump as best as he can. Yeah, we were we were looking at this the other day a little bit, looking into Alonzo's defensive metrics, and I think he was near the bottom of the leaderboards in defensive war. But I mean, fielding percentage wise, he's he's right up there. Um, I think it was like over over nine ninety for fielding percentage. I mean, he's making he started off rough last year at the beginning of the year defensively, but he was very solid um, towards the end of the year. Like he really came on. He's clearly working to become a better defender. And I really can see this guy becoming a gold glover, uh, whether it be, I don't know if we're going to see it this year. I made a hot take on Twitter that he's going to win it this year. But I definitely see this guy in the next five years winning a gold glove. I think he's going to put that much work into it. I'd agree. And I find myself hearing more of him talking about his defense than about his offense. And his offense is his calling card. Um, I think that goes to show how much he cares about the defensive part of the game. Yeah, he wants to be a complete player he does not want to be a a 25 year old dh i was getting into with getting into it on twitter with a buddy of mine who said alonzo should be a full-time dh cespedes should be at first base i was like that's that's not gonna happen and he's telling giving me the the war metrics and stuff and I, i i get that but alonzo really is a better defender than those numbers are showing and i think we're gonna see some improvement from him him this year and like I said, don't be shocked if, if we see some hardware, some gold hardware from Alonzo, whether it be this year or the coming coming years here. Uh, but before we wrap it up, actually, I just we haven't really touched upon the rotation at all. Is there anybody in the rotation? Obviously, DeGrom, we know we're going to expect. We're expecting a third straight Cy Young from DeGrom this year. Uh, is there anybody else? I mean, we were talking about the signings. I mean, I really love the, the Rick Porcello signing. Obviously, we're Jersey guys and... Rick Porcell from Seton Hall Prep in New Jersey. So I think it's it's cool to see him come home. And this is a guy that is going to eat up innings, uh, which we really have not had uh, all that often. Uh, we're, we've kind of just been grabbing like journeymen um, and just like quad A type guys in recent years. But I mean, Rick Porcello, he's going to put up, if he's healthy, uh, he's going to easily put up 200 innings. Um, he's put up 200 innings three times in his career, uh, three times since 2014 here. Uh, he's had a 190-inning campaign. He pitched 174 innings last year with the Red Sox. So this guy is going to eat up innings, which is something that the Mets need desperately. Um, I'm curious to see how he does in a different division. He's been... He's been having trouble with the with the AL East his whole career base not his whole career but the past few years with Boston, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in a new division. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Marcus Stroman has been very uh, very active on social media uh, this off season. He just he looks great. He's posting some videos. I think he's going to step into that number two role very well. Is there anybody on the staff? Obviously. Matt and Waka rounded out. Is there anybody on the staff that kind of excites you for this year, other than Degrom? Yeah, um, I think Waka really excites me. Um, his last appearance, he, he pitched really well, um, really encouraging for for this guy. Um, I mean, I, I it's tough losing Syndergaard, but uh, we got to give Brody credit with bringing in Porcello and Waka. Um, I think. I think Matt's has an opportunity to pitch really well. Um, I, I think we, we, I feel like he's the guy that's kind of getting forgotten right now. Um, 
if he stays healthy, I think he's got some really, really good stuff um, to give him some really quality quality starts out there. So, um, But outside of DeGrom, I mean, DeGrom's going to excite any Met fan. Um, he should really excite any baseball fan who enjoys the game and the art of pitching. But uh, Walker, based on his last start, I mean, he looked really, really good. Yeah, no, he really did. Hopefully that signing pans out now that he's healthy. And hopefully we can see um, some progression from Mats, which has kind of just been stagnant the past few years. But overall, this team really, they have a lot of good pieces. They do have the pieces, in my opinion, I say this every year, but they do have the pieces to to make a run and uh, be a, a playoff contender. And I think this uh, this year is no different. I definitely think they have a chance this year. Uh, whether it be wild card or the division, but it, it's just it's just it's a short season, and really anything is possible. So hopefully this team um, goes on a run early. We're, we're known to be good uh, early season. Usually it's April. We usually do pretty well in April, and then we kind of just uh, just go MIA for a couple of months before we pick it back up. But hopefully in sixty games we can do some damage here. And um, so yeah, that's gonna kind of wrap up this first episode a little bit longer than than I expected, but it's just always good to talk uh, talk Mets baseball. Uh, it doesn't really happen all that often between me and Joe here, so it was good to talk some some baseball with you, buddy, and we're going we're gonna to do this again soon. Um, we look forward to opening day uh, for the Mets on Friday. Really excited for that. And uh, the Mets baseball carnival, like I said, we're probably going to pump out uh, maybe one to two episodes a month here. Um it may be bi-weekly, maybe more. We're, we're still kind of feeling it out. But we may uh, we may do something for opening day. We may get back on a little bit sooner just because we're so excited to have baseball back and talk some baseball. So you can follow us on, on Twitter and Instagram at MetsBBCarnival. You can follow myself on Twitter at BravZ. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you and, and your work. Hey, you can find me on, on Twitter um, and Instagram at Joseph Fesco. All right. So everybody give us a follow on there. Um, you can also follow my, my other podcast work, Exit Velocity P, at Exit Velocity PC on Twitter and at Bases Loaded Pod. And uh, yeah, we're excited to talk Mets baseball. We're excited to bring this carnival to you guys. And uh, yeah, just get ready for the ride. It's going to be a hell of a ride, as it always is for us Mets fans. <laughs> but uh, we enjoyed doing this and we look forward to speaking with you guys soon.